Hello, hello, don't be shy. Come on, out to the closet. My name is Aaron, I'm standing right beside you. Figuratively, of course. If you're autistic like me, you have the right to experience freedom, a renewed mindset, and a voice you need and concerns for a safe environment, accommodations, and the right to live an abundant life. Out to the Closet is my attempt to advocate on your behalf to a planet who continues to learn about who we are as autistics. So gather around fellow autism and neurotypicals, and let's discuss autism freely. Out to the Closet, shedding light on the beauty of autism. Hello, this will be an unusual episode for me. I'm trying to get better after being sick this weekend, so I'm staying home and recording takes of this episode when I'm not tired from all the coughing and hacking. Speaking of which, a lot of us on the spectrum are seen as dependent of our caregivers whenever we're sick. In my case, I still try to fend for myself when I can. It could be a masking thing, trying not to be seen as lazy and all, if you know what I'm saying. Anyway, Let's go ahead and get into our question from the closet. One, two, three, four. Question from the closet. As some of our more regular listeners are aware, I released a couple of episodes and therefore got two questions from the closet to cover. But because of feeling sick and wanting to keep this episode short, let's talk about what stim toys you would recommend, as that was the second question that I had covered in the most recent episode uh, where I was talking about sustained Auti. And of course, if you don't have any particular stim toys, what is your stim and how do you cope with it? Let me just go ahead, uh, pull up the tablet here and just see what answers I can, uh, we came up with here. And, uh, uh-oh. So, on the previous episode, I did mention that fidget spinners were an answer I wasn't looking for and somebody actually recommended a fidget spinner. I really need to keep in mind that when working on an actually autistic podcast, reverse psychology will yield somewhat predictable results. So another person on my Aaron Advocacy Facebook page wrote about these things called squishmallows, which are really cute, super squishable squares, beanie baby type dolls. I especially like Milo the Mummy Mushroom. I might be sold on these things when I keep on looking at them. I can almost feel how soft they are just by doing an internet search and looking at them. So at this point, I'll have a new question from the closet in our next episode. Let's go ahead and move on to our news on the spectrum. on the spectrum some very sad news occurred on Friday. According to Disability Scoop, the Autism Cares Act in the United States, formerly known as the Combating Autism Act, has passed both the House and Senate and by now has Donald Trump's signature on it. Well, there's been a few positive changes since the last authorization of the Autism Cares Act such as adding the phrase across the lifespan to acknowledge autistic adults and requiring the Department of Health and Human Services to provide a report to Congress on the well-being of autistic people, this will authorize the National Institution of Health and the CDC to give approximately a billion dollars for cure and treatment research for autism over a five-year period. This setback has no involvement from the Autistic Self-Advocacy Network or Autistic Adults. 
As a result, there will be no funding for the actual needs of the autistic community, including education, healthcare, housing, or accessibility needs. Autism Speaks and the Autism Society of America have done some serious work lobbying for the passage of the Autism Cares Act, and Autism Speaks defeated an amendment to improve autistic representation in research about autism. While Autism Speaks encouraged people to support the Autism Cares Act, Autistic advocates have retaliated with their own advocacy and may consider fighting harder in their pursuit of neurodiversity and autism acceptance. Actually, autistic adults are calling to reform the Autism Cares Act to meet their needs and not to continue combating autistics through cure and treatment research. It looks as though things are going to be rougher from here for Americans involved in the neurodiversity movement. Personally, Right before uh, Donald Trump became president, I actually predicted that something like this would happen. And it indeed has happened. That is this week's news on the spectrum. I'd actually like to switch gears and just talk about a few autistic and neurodiversity misconceptions. Enjoy the music. I, I do need a break. <laughs> to do in this episode is just clear up a few things regarding autism itself and the neurodiversity movement. I think a great place to start would be with a Facebook post I read from the autistic grandma. Her Facebook page is actually very interesting. I won't name names in the commentary, but I'll just give a rundown of what I got from that particular post. It reads, before you jump on someone for not understanding the ins and outs of autism, Remind yourself to consider the terrible amount of misinformation people are being fed about neurodiversity. Try and stay calm and gently educate. The reason I agree with this statement is because we're essentially in a place where neurodiversity in itself is still a young movement. We're gaining some ground and we've had some wins, but based on the recent news on the spectrum, some big losses as well. The truth is that 42% of Autism Speaks budget goes towards their own form of awareness to so-called contain and eventually cure autism, while less than 2% of their budget goes towards actually helping autistics themselves. Autism Speaks has and may be the first place that most autistic parents or autistics themselves will go to first get information they need as opposed to any self-advocacy networks. All we can do is share what we know with whoever is willing to learn and walk away from those who militantly disagree. In terms of the other side of the argument, many of us autis struggle with PTSD when it comes to applied behavior analysis or certain things done to us because the gospel according to Autism Speaks declares it be done. This is where I should stress that advocating out of hurt with a tone of anger or hatred will cause some serious problems for people who want to learn about neurodiversity. If they see comment threads filled with these kinds of feelings, the wonder for just a bitter cult void of empathy and other autistic qualities that I outlined in episode 1, especially the positive ones. My point is that not everyone is in the position to share our knowledge gently because of a lot of pain and abuse that still needs healing. Hurt people hurt other people, and that should not be acceptable. The neurodiversity movement and the ideology of Autism Speaks will constantly be at odds with each other. 
Changing systems, hearts, and minds should be our agenda as opposed to creating online rage forums from misdirected hatred. I totally get that not everyone can be patient with those who seem to believe that neurodivergence and autism are sick and need fixing. However, reactionary responses are dangerous, which is why thinking before posting with love and kindness is what causes change, not anger and hatred. Moving on. While most of us who work with autism focus on behavioral issues such as meltdowns and communication problems, I want to focus on an autistic social interaction issue that many neurotypicals don't understand fully at all. Inward focus. So what is inward focus, you ask? Inward focus has destroyed a couple of friendships of mine, so Trevin William, if you're listening, I need to explain why you're wrong about me so-called ignoring you guys. If an autistic person comes across as selfish or ignorant out of rudeness, they aren't putting up walls around themselves intentionally. This is probably what's going on. So I'll break these, this down into five scenarios here. So scenario one, we're deeply thinking through something. We're immersed in what we're thinking about. We're inward directed people, so when we ponder something, we go inside of ourselves and live out the entire experience in our minds. We actually don't even realize other people are in our presence at all. We forget to contact our friends and family when they want us to do so. We barely even know we're in our own physical presence. That's how immersed we are when we focus on something we're passionate about or something that we feel needs to be done right away. Moving on to scenario two, we aren't quote unquote awake yet. Neurodiverse individuals have a hard time with changing our current state of being. If we're sleeping, we'd like to stay that way. If we're awake, we'd rather stay that way as well. If we're wet, we prefer to stay that way. If we're dry, we prefer to stay that way as well. Some of us need a few hours to fully be aware after waking up. Most of the time, this isn't really the case for me unless I'm songwriting or working on the next podcast episode. Scenario 3. Some of us don't identify with our names. Because of that lack of connection, we don't respond when someone addresses us or calls us by name because our names simply get categorized into what we individually feel is subjective white noise, or background noise if, if you don't understand the concept of white noise. Scenario 4. When it comes to outside stimuli, it takes us some time to respond, around 30 seconds to a minute typically, but probably longer. During that time, we do what we can to process the presence of others, their words, their facial expressions, and tone of voice as well, so we don't come across as offensive by responding in a way that we'll be embarrassed about or regret later. So in other words, with this particular scenario, we have a loading screen, and that loading screen will flash for some time before we can offer a civil response to others around us. If we aren't slowly and gently brought back to reality, that's when our autistic bugs and quirky glitches happen. The last scenario, number five, sensory overload. We can't take in any more information. And when we've reached brain capacity, this can be particularly bad in some social situations where the pressure to be interactive isn't under our control. In my case, I used to think it was excitement, but in reality... I just feel like I either have to talk to someone, sometimes everyone, or I just completely shut down from being overloaded with the decision of who to talk to next or what to talk about with that person. Because of being overloaded with decisions, 
I eventually just want to be physically alone until I can recharge. As a result, I appear standoffish and lonely at the same time. Essentially, I'm conflicted, but at the same time I understand the need to recover by being alone. To non-autistics, this comes across as selfish, rude, or ignorant, but for autistics themselves, our ignorance or selfishness is actually a form of self-care and self-preservation. To some autistics, being forced away from inward focus can cause physical sickness, and it's also been known to induce intense reactions such as vomiting. While in my case it's not as extreme as that, I can only offer one solution. If an autistic seems withdrawn, doesn't initiate a conversation, and you really wish they would reach out to you, or you do want them to talk to you, all I can say is four words. Just gently ask autistics. Give them some time to respond, because they eventually will. They will bluntly tell you if they still need time to themselves, or if they're okay to socialize. It's different for every autistic, but it's only in the extreme cases where they don't want to be your friend. That's the only time when you should confront them for ignoring you. Depending on how well this podcast does, I actually plan to do a full season on the alternatives to applied behavior analysis. But for now, I'd like to offer my short version of the views of ABA, a conversion therapy that trains autistic children to act more neurotypical. ABA comes in many different forms, from gaslighting sessions that seem friendly, masqueraded as play, to inhumane practices such as electro-torture at the Judge Rutenberg Center. Many advocates of ABA mean well when claiming that their methods of ABA are more positive, accepting, and respectful towards children. But the concept of ABA itself involves conditioning. ABA is designed to ensure autistic children and adults act just like everyone else. But life is about becoming a unique individual and adding value to society by doing something different that comes from who you are. The first thing wrong with ABA is that it teaches autistics there's something wrong with them. Neurodiversity embraces all kinds of autism as unique and beautiful, and in some cases it has potential to serve a greater purpose than that of neurotypical mindsets. If you don't believe me, just look at Bill Gates. Being conditioned with the thought that you need constant repair and that you're imperfect is destructive to a person's self-esteem and replaces intellectual and physical autonomy with self-hatred. And after the conditioning is complete, the patient is pretty much a shellless robot with an automated operating system, so to speak. The second thing wrong with ABA is that it addresses the behaviors and not the causes behind certain behaviors. Pressure, anxiety, and helplessness that happens during therapies eventually leads to PTSD, and in some cases causes OCD, depression, and in more extreme cases, autism regression, which happens based on acute trauma and overwhelming anxiety. Lastly, ABA induces thinking that a person's value is based on conformity. They're only appreciated if they submit and follow the rules and regulations given by society. Rewards are only given under compliance, and needs are only provided under fulfilled conditions. Just imagine, imagine not having a say over your body, not being able to move in ways that feel good or calm you down, and hurt no one. All because adults have been sold the lie that you need to fit in with your non-autistic peers to survive. Autistic and otherwise neurodivergent children have the right to be treated with dignity, to have their motive of communication respected, even if it is not spoken words, and especially if it's not spoken words. 
Subjecting any autistic to ABA causes suffering and mental damage that can never be undone. The truth is that an autistic person will always be autistic. There is no cure for autism. No reduction of vaccination, no diet, no brand of bleach is ever going to change that. Even if they learn to emulate normal people, to follow commands like a trained dog, or try to conceal their identities and emotions in order to fit in, autistics will always be autistics. That's just how it is. So, what do we do about this? How do we live alongside autistics since we have to so-called put up with autistics as they are? It's really simple and doesn't cost as much as ABA therapy usually would. Just freaking accept us for who we are. Full stop. Quit trying to break us. I mean, when you think about it, who gets hurt if I stim? Who needs a hospital if I refuse to hug on command? Who suffers if I don't make eye contact? Seriously. Listen up. I am aware that some autistic behaviors do cause self-injury and can be hurtful towards others. There's a deep issue that triggers these kinds of behaviors. And that deep issue in itself is the root that needs a nip in the bud. And sometimes it may have nothing to do with autism. That in itself needs to be trimmed in order to deal with the behavior as a result. Since I'm no doctor, psychologist, or psychiatrist, this is different for every case. Unfortunately, conditioning is not the solution though, as it only takes care of one part of a larger problem. I mean, when you think about it, isn't an autistic person's welfare and happiness more important than society's desire for them to seem perfectly normal? Wouldn't it be better to nurture an autistic person's strengths and abilities? Can't we just simply encourage an autistic to pursue their interests? And can we help autistics avoid pressure in situations that may cause sensory overload? I'm pretty sure that if we can focus on those building blocks for a safe and secure environment for autistic communities, we can learn to appreciate autism for what it is. That is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, and I promise to do what I can to get my voice back. You can like me on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at AaronAdvocacy204, or check out some of my articles on SustainedAuti.com. If you've gotten a lot from this podcast, go ahead and leave a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher so more people can learn about neurodiversity and autism for what it really is. My name is Aaron. Thank you for your time. Aw to the closet. And don't forget to add value to someone today. See you next week with a very special episode.